in one service together. There we go. I've got a little sound. Got a lot of sound. That doesn't sound like me. Does that sound like me? Who is that? <laughs> okay, yeah. I haven't been drawing from a helium balloon at all this morning. I sound like 13 years old. All right, they'll get it adjusted back there. Ah, that's better. Yes, maturity. Okay, y'all rein me in here. My point is to welcome all of you to worship. It is a joy to see you. Again, there's lots of sickness around, and uh, you know, the weather's not great, but, but as far as our second uh, Sunday of the year, it is a joy to see you all in one service. Um, I do want to mention a few families and individuals to be praying for. Here locally in our community, let's pray for the Walker family. So earlier this week, Donna Walker passed, and then two days later, her mother passed. Her mother's name was Shirley. Uh, they lived on Glenlock Road. Uh, their grandchildren uh, attend our church, if you know Luke and, and, and Caitlin and Devin. Uh, that's the family we're speaking of. So let's pray for the Walker family because they've had two losses here close together in, in one home. Funeral service will be Tuesday at 11 at uh, New Lebanon Church off of Highway 5, graveside only. So please be in prayer for them. Miss Judy Whittemore, uh, Joe is home. He came home Monday or Tuesday, but now Miss Judy's sick. So we've got Joyce on piano. Um, Catherine's out. She had surgery to repair her meniscus. If you were here last week, she was limping around. She had an injury. So we got Catherine out. We've got Miss Judy out. We ain't much, but we all you got this morning, okay? So we are here to worship and praise the Lord. But in all sincerity, let's pray for Catherine and her recovery. Pray for Miss Judy and her sickness. Mr. Charles Denny came home, so for that we praise the Lord. There's just a few um, family members to, to make note of as we, as we gather. Okay, one thing we're going to do, uh, meeting with our deacons last week and then our church conference. Most of you know, several weeks ago, there were some devastating storms in Kentucky. Remember that? And they are still reeling from the effects of that. Well, one of the pastors of Mayfield, Kentucky, uh, one of the areas most affected, is a guy named Wes Fowler. Now, Wes Fowler was a friend of John Mark's, is a friend of John Mark's. Several years ago, Wes Fowler came here to preach a revival and also to preach at a youth revival. Long story short, several years later, we find out Wes is pastoring in Mayfield, Kentucky, one of the cities most affected by the recent storms. So we're going to take an offering this Sunday and next Sunday after worship. This is going to go directly to First Baptist Church Mayfield and Pastor Wes Fowler. We're grateful for our connection to him and grateful for John Mark's friendship with uh, Brother West. So Randy, we've pulled up a video that we want to show you, about two and a half minutes, that'll give you a sense of the need there. You also see Wes. Some of you will recognize Wes from, from his time with us years ago. So Randy, will you, will you play that? And then uh, Darrell's going to come and, and read scripture for us. Y'all pray for this church. And as you leave this morning, we're going to take up an offering two weeks in a row. hear people screaming, cries for help, couldn't tell where they were, where it was coming from, power lines down, buildings down, debris in the street resembled what I think a war zone would look like. My wife and I and our family, uh, with our youth pastor and his family, we went down to, to the basement. We have a tunnel here that actually connects two of our facilities, and we could hear the storm getting closer. We could hear it getting worse. Power went out. We heard and saw the ceiling tiles in the tunnel violently shaking up and down, falling out, the tunnel filled with debris and dirt, and there's like a cloud of smoke in the tunnel. It was a very, very scary situation. We, in that moment, we got our families, and we put them against the wall, and then we got on top of our families, and, and we covered them the best that we could. I was telling my family, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I kept telling that over and over. 
Uh, the truth is, in my head, I, I didn't know that. It didn't feel like we were going to be okay. My wife was concerned. She told me later that she thought we were going to die, which is a terrible feeling. And then it uh, probably lasted 30 seconds to a minute. It felt like longer. We went out to see some of the debris and to see some of the destruction, and it was uh, just a very bad scene. Every part of our structure is, is damaged. Ceilings ripped off, roofs ripped off, windows busted out. Uh, just devastating scene. But then as you look around Mayfield, I mean, there's a lot worse. Complete buildings knocked down, structures knocked down. Oh, it's devastation. I mean, uh, like I said, I grew, I grew up four blocks from this church. And all these stores, you know, I've known since I was born. And it was just sad to see them all in, in pieces. Despite most of the other large buildings in Mayfield being knocked down, our church still stands. Amazing to me that in the education building across the street, that cross that we put up in the window is still there and the window's gone. Everything else is gone, the cross still stands. In the middle of the storm, there's only one place where we truly have peace. Amen. And that's when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus. Right now, the town is coming together around this, around this tragedy. And uh, I, th I think it'll take years, but I do think we'll rebuild, and I think we're going to be okay. When you're thinking about life and death, let's tell them about life. I'll be reading from Psalms 1 uh, this morning. Those of you that would like to turn to it, Randy may put it up on the screen. Psalms 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of coffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whoever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, for they are like shaft when the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteousness. For the Lord knows the way of the righteousness, but, way the, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let us pray. Our kind Heavenly Father, we just come to you today. and We just lift up uh, all of our church members who are sick and who are dealing with difficulties in their life, Father. We just ask you for be your will that uh, you just place your healing hand upon them and those that are hurting so bad just place your touching hand upon them and give them some words of comfort father we're just so thankful to be able to still worship you in freedom father we just uh, lift up the, our friend church out in uh, mayfield kentucky father the there's so much damage done by that uh, tornado that came up through that path of, of our country. We just pray that you'll be with the people to be able to help uh, in some way to help them rebuild and, and uh, be nourished with the food that they need during this time. And Father, it was just, it's just so uh, uh, difficult for them that don't believe in you because the ones that believe in you, uh, the help will come and uh, they'll have peace in their hearts. Father, we just bless Neil this morning as he brings the message to us and move the choir as we sing. And we just ask that you forgive us of our sins. And we ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, isn't it good to know that we're headed to a place where the storms can't tear our house down? and that sickness and death can't get in. Uh, if you'll stand, we're going to praise the Lord in song this morning. Man, 
continue singing this morning, there is a fountain. me would I direct the choir song. This is really not my forte, but I'm willing, and uh, I'll, I'll own up to any mistakes that we might make. I'll take, a, take charge of that. But we're singing a song that's called I'll Put on a Crown with Everybody Will Be Happy Over There. I think you'll recognize both of those songs.
They did a good job, didn't they? Amen. We'll just keep it real. Now, there we go. There we go. A joy to have our choir back and to have people like Jerry who, who are not only willing but able. Uh, the happiness that the choir just sang about reminds me that Charles Spurgeon once said that nearness to God has three marks. Humility, holiness, and happiness. Humility, holiness, and happiness. I'm grateful for, for what they just sang. So I guess now that the sound is appropriate, let's turn to Luke chapter 13. So we are working verse by verse through Luke's gospel, and Jesus has been teaching a very long section that we were in before Thanksgiving and now after the new year. I'm continuing thoughts that he, that he was addressing and topics he was addressing, uh, which for us was weeks ago. But to highlight where he has been recently and last week, we see that as disciples of Christ, based on the passing of time and the limits to ourselves, that we are always to be ready, we are always to be responsible, we are always to be reverent, and we are to live lives of repentance. Lives of repentance. So I think repentance is still the big theme that we are going to carry into Luke chapter 13. But repentance is not very fun. Because it means saying and knowing that you're wrong. It means brokenness. It means confession. It means uh, contrition, it means turning, it involves humility, but one of the big messages of the Bible is that repentance is necessary for salvation. Repentance is also necessary for growth and sanctification. So last week we ended our message with a touch on where we're going to start this morning. I'm going to pick up with the text in Luke chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Now, on the same occasion, there were some, there were some present who reported to him. Now, so, let's get the scene. This is the third interruption during Jesus' teachings. Third interruption. If you try preaching or teaching, it's not easy to navigate through the interruptions. But here's another one. There were some there hearing this message on repentance and reconciliation with God. And look at what they report to Jesus. They report to him about some Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So these Galileans were worshiping in the temple and they must have broken some Roman law because Pilate just killed them. He just slew them right there. He, he mingled their blood with their sacrifices. So they report this to Jesus. Look at verse 2. Look at his response. So Jesus answered, and he said to those who reported this to him, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. 
Jesus has his own news flash. Look at verse 4. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, were they worse culprits? New American Standard there has culprits. Uh, it's closer to the word debtor. Some of your translations may reflect that, which ties back to last week where Jesus pictured us as, as debtors before God with no means to pay. Those that the tower fell on and killed in Jerusalem, were they worse culprits than all the other men who were living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So then he, begins, he began telling them a parable which complements the message and the warning on repentance. Look at this parable. This is beautiful. A certain man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. So he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any fruitless. So he says to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, the vineyard keeper did. Listen to this. Let it alone, sir, for this year too. Let's give it another year. Until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year... <clears throat> If it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. Father, we are grateful for this passage and what it tells us about you and ourselves and our great need for reconciliation, our need for forgiveness, our need for repentance, so that we might be right with you and so that we might live lives which bear fruit which reflect you and glorify you. Father, thank you for our time together with your word and with one another in worship. Thank you for the great hymns we've already sung and how they take us to the cross and how our choir has reminded us that there is a, there is a place and a time in which there will be perfect joy. No more murder. No more towers falling. No more storms. No more death. Thank you, Father, for preparing a place for us. And until we're home, Father, may we keep focused upon you and put you first. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this is a very interesting passage because it contains two events that aren't told anywhere outside the Bible. And that's these two events that are referred to. First, the murder of the Galileans and then the fall of the tower at Siloam. So Jesus is teaching on repentance, yet there's another interruption. What are we to learn this morning about God and about ourselves from the message that Jesus shares? Well, I've titled today's message, Where's the Fruit? <laughs> because obviously that's a big part of what we're learning here in Luke chapter 13. The necessity of fruitfulness. But fruitfulness is a result of a life of repentance. So let's go back to what Jesus was teaching last week as he continues this theme. And first I want us to notice in this passage, number one, God's clear warning. God's clear warning. You see, when calamity or tragedy or war or death, when something sad or bad happens... Two responses we ought to make are, number one, how can we help? And number two, how should we examine our own lives in light of what happened? So whether it's a storm up in Kentucky or here on Glenlock Road where a daughter dies and two days later her mother dies. 
How do we respond to that? It's an opportunity to help and love and give, but it's also an opportunity for us to examine our own lives because in every sad, bad, tragic calamity, every news story has a message for us. We live in a sinful, broken, fallen world And let's not be diverted. Let's not be distracted. When you hear of Galileans who are murdered in a temple in an unjust, unjust crime, don't go thinking that you're any better than those Galileans. See, this interruption is a newsflash. Jesus, as he's talking on repentance... Did you hear what happened the other day? The Galileans were murdered by Pilate. Jesus almost turns them back to, hey, let's stay on point. (laughs) Because yes, that was tragic, but what about you? Have you repented? We could talk about the Galileans. And see, what's interesting is that for... The people of Jerusalem, they looked down on the Galileans. For something to happen to the Galileans, well, you know, possibly they deserved it. So it's interesting that the the story that Jesus brings up, the news flash Jesus brings up in verse verse 4, deals with 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed. They were not worse culprits than all those who live in Jerusalem. What's he saying? He's saying we are all guilty sinners. We all need to heed God's warning. That unless we repent, we too shall perish. We are just as in debt. We are just as culprit. Just as guilty. And when you hear of tragedy and calamity, let's not only say how can we help but how can we examine our own lives in light of what's going on? I think that's the takeaway from these first few few verses of chapter 13. G. Campbell Morgan says this. Now, they were bringing up physical calamity, right? Which is horrible, which is devastating. But Morgan makes the point that perishing cannot be interpreted in the terms of the physical only, It lies deeper in that spiritual realm where you and I are so blind. In other words, to divert attention away from their spiritual need, they came up with a new story to kind of distract from the issue. And you and I do this all the time in various ways. We're a lot like my new dog, Ringo. Don't ask me why I got a new dog. I did not need anything else to be responsible for. But he's so cute. And Ringo needed a home. And Ringo's only six months old, seven months old. He's a Springer Spaniel Doodle, which is a mouthful. I had to write it down. (laughs) So I'm trying to teach Ringo how to go on a walk with a leash. Caper, our older dog, he's got it pretty much, but Ringo's so immature. He wants to go running after every little squirrel, every cat, every house. Every mailbox is a new opportunity for Ringo, you know, (laughs) to do his business. Ringo, come on, we got to go. If we stop, For every house, every squirrel, every distraction, every diversion, if everything we do is a new news story that we've got to know everything about, we will never make it back home. (laughs) So in this audience are some people who, rather than dealing with their own stuff spiritually in here, 
It's like people often do. They get off the main narrative of the Bible, the main story of the Bible, and come up with all these issues and all these diversions when what Jesus would say to each one of us is, yeah, I know about that, that matters, and that is of concern. But God is sovereign and he's good, and he knows about the Galileans. He knows about those upon whom the, the Tower of Siloam fell. But here's the question, what about you? What's your spiritual condition? Have you turned to the Lord for salvation? Have you turned away from yourself and trusted completely in Christ and His finished work? And then are you continually turning to Him to sustain you and to keep you? So rather than being diverted by every tragic calamity outside of us or our group. Let's rather search our own hearts and see what is in us which calls for repentance. We are no better than they. We must each come to terms with the tragedy and calamity of evil in us. See, yes, it was a tragedy. Yes, it was a calamity that the Galileans died. Yes, it was a tragedy. Yes, it was a calamity that the, the 18 in Jerusalem died. But there's a calamity in me. There's tragedy in me. And I'm going to get to that tragedy in just a second. But, but, but essentially is that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the tragedy is that the wages of sin is death. And the tragedy is that the soul that sins will die. And Jesus, by preaching repentance, is drawing us to the good news that will lead us home. This reminded me of Peter in his repentance and his brokenness. Remember in John chapter 21? Peter has denied Jesus three times. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you? And then at the end of that, remember what Peter says? Peter says, well, what are you going to do with John? (laughs) Yeah, I know what you're saying about me and what's going to happen to me, but what about John? And Jesus basically says, let me worry about John, (laughs) and you worry about you and your relationship to me. On the sports level, it was said about Michael Jordan that he was so good and so talented that oftentimes guys playing games with him on the court on his team would be caught standing around looking. Uninvolved. Captivated and paralyzed. What is God calling you to do? In the midst of this chaotic, tragic, fallen world, let's get back to the point that Jesus was on in the narrative, in the story, in the teaching. Yeah, there's a news flash, but what about you? What about you? Have you repented and called on the name of the Lord? So, number one, we have God's clear warning. God's clear warning. Number two... God's great expectations. When you read the scriptures, God has great expectations for us. Now, they're also called commandments. But look at this fig tree parable in verse 6, 7, and 8. This is so interesting because it basically says that all of us have an owner, a God, a creator who is watching our lives and examining our lives And just as a farmer or a gardener would every so often check the fig bush. Year one goes by, no fruit. Year two goes by, no fruit. Year three goes by, no fruit. Man, all this guy is doing is taking up space. (laughs) He's drawing from the resources, but he's not producing anything. Where's the fruit? Now, God has the right to come to us and say, where's the fruit? Where is the godly character? Where is the influence of salt and light? Do y'all remember that Wendy's commercial back in the 80s? Where's the beef? (laughs) The little old lady had a right to open up the bun and say, where's the beef? 
Why? She paid for a hamburger, right? So God looks down and the expectation that he has for us is that we would bear fruit. God is owner, he is gardener. This fig tree imagery goes back to the Old Testament where Israel also was God's people were, were called. There was this beautiful picture of, of them being a vine and a fig bush and his people were to flourish and grow and be a light to the nations. They were to keep God's commandments, to stand out. They were to have influence and just everything had become so corrupt. And, and now, now Christ comes in and he's given this parable, this, this picture And he's saying, God is looking at your life. God is looking at his people and he expects fruit. And then after three years of seeing no fruit, what does he say? This tree's got to go. It is a quick, severe, decisive, cut it off. Now, we finally took our Christmas tree out yesterday. (laughs) And as I hauled that dead thing off, I thought to myself, it's got to go, right? It's time to go. It's dead. It's gone. It's dry. Imagine the God of the universe looking down and saying, no fruit. They haven't loved me. With all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, they haven't loved their neighbor as themselves. So they're not keeping the great commandment. They're not keeping the great commission, was to go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I commanded. They're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. As you look at our lives and What is this fruit he's talking about? Well, read your Bible. It's throughout there. It's the Great Commandment. It's the Great Commission. It's 1 Corinthians 13. In my notes, when I talked about what fruit bearing means, I mean, I had passage after passage that basically says we are his workmanship. He is the potter, we're the clay. We are to reflect him. We are to have his character in us and growing is to be evangelistic. But essentially, it is the fruit of godly character and conduct, which is an overflow of a personal love relationship with God. It's the fruit of godly character and conduct, which is an overflow of friendship with God. This life also results in the fruit of evangelism and makes an impact, salt, and light. Which is why when you come back to the parable, thank goodness for the intercessor. Because what does the intercessor? The intercessor says what you and I ought to say about people. A bruised reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I could not help but think of Jesus interceding as an advocate on our behalf. And in the meeting where they're saying, cut him off, an intercessor says, wait, let's, let's give it time. Let's give it time. I'll get to that in just a second. But as we consider God's great expectations, we're already aware that we fall greatly short of his desire and command. So what are we to do? But before I move on to the next point, I did something to myself that's almost kind of morbid. (laughs) And let me tell you how it came about. Let me find my my stats here. So back around Christmas, a lot of you know that Jimmy Horn makes the best tea cakes in the world. Well, he and my mom are tied for number one. (laughs) I better not ruin Grammy's sugar cookies here, okay? Because they're right there. Okay, we're, we're talking about A and A, A and A1, you know. So I called Pat Horn. I can't remember why I called her, but she, Jimmy was in the kitchen making more sugar cookies. And, and Pat, just in passing, says to me, Jimmy here at Christmas has made 30-something dozen sugar cookies. I'm thinking, wow. Stats don't lie. 
And I thought, I wonder how many of those I have eaten, you know, here at the holidays. But that started me thinking. And periodically, at the end of a year, when we turn to a new year, I look back through the year before in my calendar, my day timer, I write down just about everything. I'm really weird. It's borderline sicko. I write down everything. So I kind of did a year in review to see what, what did you do last year? Do you ever ask yourself that? What's the fruit? That's what I'm getting at. What's the fruit? What did you do last year? Jimmy Horn at Christmas baked 30-something dozen and more sugar cookies. What about me, you know? How many funerals did I preach last year? I know. I counted them. How many weddings did I do? I know. I counted them. How many sermons and Bible studies? Well, I gave up about February. And you're thinking, we, yeah, we know. We were, we were there for a lot of them, right? Then I started asking, you know, how many surgeries and sicknesses did we have in our community last year? How many hospital visits were made? How many runs and swims and hikes and bikes did you do in 2021? How many fights? How many arguments? How many insults? How many cutdowns? How many eye rolls? How many times did you say, I love you? How many times did you say, I forgive you? How many times did you say, I'm sorry? How many times did you say, how may I help you? How many hymns did you sing? How many songs of praise did you sing? How many prayers did you pray? How many hours have you studied? How many, this is for food pantry people, how many bags of food did you pack? How many meals did we cook? How many nine to fives did you put in last year? How many cards of encouragement? How many lies did you tell? How many books did you read? How many football games did you watch? How many Braves games? How many cups of coffee? Enough already, right? I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it off to the side because I got, I got obsessed with it. But all I was doing was saying every day is a gift. And how are you spending your life and what's the fruit? And here's what you'll find is over the course of a year, Man, to be busy doing good deeds, God can make you so fruitful over the course of a year. Here's why I bring up a year. What was the parable about? Hey, three years, they've done nothing, but we, what? There's another year. And here we are at the beginning of another year. So, there's God's warning. There's his great expectation. But let, let me get to the real gospel i gotta, I got to close. I see in this passage God's extreme patience. God's extremely patient with you and me. Because we have not met expectations. My fruit has been lacking and tainted. So what are we to do? Listen to the grace of the vine dresser, who I like to think of as Jesus. I'm not sure that's what this means, but that's where I'm going. This tree deserves to be cut down. Wait, let's not give up hope yet. Here's a gracious intervention, a gentle shepherd, you might say. Hey, how loving and patient he must be. What? He's still working on me. Please be patient with me. God isn't through with me yet. So notice what the vine dresser says. Let me, let's give it some time. I want to, I want to dig around the, the, the plant. I want, to, I want to break the soil. I want to fertilize it. What's he picturing there? I want to care. Over the next year, I want to show extreme care and diligence. And let's see what happens. And I'm going to, I'm going to love. I'm going to give attention. And let's see if it can begin to bear fruit and, and, and flourish. Ben and I were in our backyard yesterday, and a few years ago, I moved uh, an evergreen, a little cedar, into the corner of the property. 
It had been in a little pot, and it was struggling. Then it remarked yesterday, man, isn't it amazing to see how things can grow? <laughs> With the right care, the right attention, the right place. Well, what a beautiful picture we have of Christ and His love. And after a year, listen, we ought to regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation. Regard the patience of the Lord to be salvation. Because here's the thing. He could have cut us all down from the very beginning and been just and right and holy to do it. Cut it down. Cut it off. Be done with them. But what did God do? He sent His Son. You want to know how patient He's been? How long-suffering He's been? He sends Jesus. So let's talk about Jesus in closing here. Because I think he here is the, the good news of grace that involves mercy and care and patience. But there is an end point, right? If no fruit, cut it off. As Mike in the mechanic says, this has to happen, quote, in the living years. In the living years. It's too late. When we die, to admit we don't see eye to eye, it's too late when we die. So there's an end point, but right now we're in the season of grace and patience. So, so, so let me wrap this up. The kindness of God leads to repentance. The long-suffering and patience of God leads to repentance. The, the, the grace and the Son of God leads us to repentance. God's patience is a byproduct of his long-suffering and loving-kindness, and the clearest evidence is seen in the mercy and grace to us through his Son. When Durell read Psalm 1 about the tree that bears fruit, Psalm 1 is about us and being obedient and in the Word, and bearing fruit in season, but, but ultimately it's about Christ. <laughs> he is the perfect fruit-bearing person or tree. So follow along with me. In John chapter 15, he said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Jesus is talking about what he's talking about in Luke 13. He prunes it so that it will bear more fruit. Listen to what Jesus says. How do we bear fruit? Abide in me, and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And then he says this, abide in my love. Abide in my love. How has he demonstrated his love? Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. So let me make a statement about being cut off. Cut it off. Take it out. We're done. You can read Isaiah 53. You can read Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 19, which is a similar passage, and listen to what it says, not only about the prophet, but about the Messiah, about Jesus. Here's the love. Here's the good news. Here's what we abide in. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know that they had devised plots against me, saying, quote, Listen to this. Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But the Lord of hosts judges righteously and raises him up triumphantly from the dead. What's the message of the gospel? What's the message of Christ? The perfect, flourishing, giving tree was cut off from the land of the living and killed so that his name would be remembered no more. But God is just and he raised him up from the dead. The tree that was cut down that is Christ... Through the resurrection, he became the ultimate life-giving tree. So how do we bear fruit? We abide 
in the love of the one who was cut off from the land of the living so that you and I would never be cut off. So that one day through repentance we can be forgiven. So that through our life, through repentance, we can bear fruit. And so that one day through repentance I'll live in a world where there are no more towers to fall and no more murderers to kill. Forgiveness, fruitfulness, and future glory all is granted through repentance. Because the one who was cut off from the land of the living was flourishing in love and obedience and grace and mercy and miracles and teaching. He was cut off by his enemies, but on the third day, what? He rose from the dead. Ah, now I see how a sinful pastor like me can bear fruit. It's not because of my righteousness, but because of his. It's not because of my life, but because of his. It's not because of my sufficiency, but his. It's not because of my faithfulness, but his. It's not because of my resurrection, but his. Where's the fruit? I, I get, this is going to sound crazy. And you're like, well, we're used to that, right? On social media, I get friend requests all the time from dead people. I'm not joking. Y'all never get this? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. And I'm saying, uh-uh. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> no. <laughs> I know for a fact this person's dead because I did the funeral. <laughs> You cannot have a relationship with somebody who's no longer here. I mean, come on. No, not even I'm buying that one. <laughs> What's your point, preacher? My point is that when you read the Bible carefully, the one who was cut off because he lives and he lives in us, I think the Apostle Paul, Galatians 2.20, I promise. I'm going to quote this and I'm done. Paul says, God demonstrated his great patience towards Saul. What was Saul? He was a murderer. He was a deceiver. He was a liar. He was a killer. Paul said, God demonstrated his great patience toward me. Paul had a wonderful fruit-bearing life, did he not? Galatians 2.20 sums it up. It's repentance that lives. He says, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the one who loves me and gave himself up for me. And you have in Paul everything that I was saying. God's patience led him to repentance. Repentance led him to forgiveness. Forgiveness brought new life. And new life brought blessing and fruitfulness to the church and to you and me. Father, thank you for your love and grace and your patience toward this fig tree that I am. Sometimes, Father, I feel like I'm just soaking up the resources like, a, like an unfruitful tree without giving anything in return as far as worship, service, love, grace. I pray that this parable and this warning would help all of us abide deeper and closer and more fuller in the love of Jesus and from the gospel, from friendship with Christ, the, the ultimate living fruit-bearing tree, that his life in us would bear fruit. And at the end of 2022, we could look back and we could say, Lord, what, what great things you have done. May that be true of our church. May it be true of all of us as individuals who turn to you by faith. 
away from ourselves to Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. so much Todd for leading us in singing okay I do want to point out Miss Lois is back and what I mean by that yeah not everybody knew this but over the holidays she was in an, an, an automobile accident and so she's been she's fine now she's better um, but it was so good to see her and I told her if I'd had sense enough I would have recognized her earlier but uh, we've been praying for Lois her son Aaron took care of her She's back. She's doing well. And for that, we praise the Lord. But y'all continue to pray for Miss Lois. So it's wonderful to see her back. So Jeff Rude, Jeff, if you'll come, I think the last thing we need to do is Jeff is going to, one of the things going back to one service has opened up a time of for prayer at 9 every Sunday morning. So Jeff's going to coordinate a prayer time every Sunday morning at 9. He's going to say more about it since he's coordinating it. Uh, but y'all listen to Jeff, and then Jeff's going to close us, then you, then you are dismissed. All right. Thank you, Neil. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So as Neil said, we, we're developing a, a, a prayer group. We're going to call them prayer warriors. I know that might sound a little tacky, but it's the best thing I can come up with. So there's a sign-out sheet out in the foyer, uh, and just we, we want you to sign up. Because what I've learned in my life is... And when you bow your head and close your eyes and say, Father, that makes Satan mad. I mean, you can come in this church and he say, eh, maybe they're not listening, they're not going to get the word. But I guarantee you, when you start praying to the Father, that, that rattles him. And, and we're, we're living in tough times. And as a group, as a church, I, I truly believe we can make a difference through praying. So I encourage you to go ahead and sign up. My, my contact information is on that sheet. Uh, and you don't have to be a super prayer. I don't think there's a person, preacher, pastor, me, I don't think there's a perfect person that knows exactly how to pray. As a matter of fact, I heard somewhere that the Pope admitted that he falls asleep when he prays sometimes. So there's nothing perfect. God knows what you're trying to say, and that's another reason for the Holy Spirit. So sign up. We really look forward to it. And then also, we're going to meet here in the foyer out front every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, kind of pray, uh, and just get the get service started off right by praying. All right? And I appreciate your support. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just we thank you for the privilege to pray. 
Thank you that you're a God that listens to prayer, that all the millions, billions of people on the earth, I know that when I pray, everything is silent. That you stop and you hear my prayer and it's the <clears throat> same thing that you do for everybody here that prays, Lord. And we just thank you that we live in a country where I can stand on the street corner and pray. I can pray in my home, I can pray in this church, so we thank you for that privilege. We thank you for the blessings that come from, from those prayers, Lord. And we just ask you to take the message we heard today. It was a great message. We just ask you to take it with us this week and uh, share it with the lost world. I think that needs to be our main prayer the, for all those who are lost who don't know the benefits and the joy of, of fellowshipping with you. And I just thank you and praise you for everything you've done, especially sacrificing your son, Jesus Christ. It's his name I pray. Amen. Don't forget offering for Kentucky. Uh, as you leave, get a couple of guys at the door. You came in late. That's what the offering is for today and, and next Sunday. <laughs>